The mainstream media fawns over Biden's cabinet picks, even going so far as to compare them to the Avengers. And staff of a publishing company, they're left in tears after they find out the worst news of 2020. They'll be publishing Jordan Peterson's new book. Mm. And Alyssa Milano felt it was time to extend an olive branch to Trump supporters. How sweet. We've got all that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy filling in for Sarah Gonzalez while she's on maternity leave. Day before Thanksgiving, we finally made it. The day before, counting calories doesn't exist, at least for tomorrow. I read, fun fact, I read that about 4,000 calories goes into your Thanksgiving meal. So that means you got to mm. really savor it, make mm -hmm. sure you, you pick your favorite things to eat. So yeah. Stu Bergier, host mm -hmm. of Stu Does America, what would you say? Is your favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving? My favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving is scrumptiouscookie.com. Uh, I make sure that when I, I, I have ordered these for Thanksgiving, I'm very excited about it. I will say uh, I'm very excited about the cookies, as mm -hmm. I always am. But also, um, my mom's mac and cheese is coming this year, Ooh, mac and which cheese. is really exciting. My aunt makes amazing mm -hmm. food uh, of all types. My cousin makes all these amazing breads. I, I mean, I freaking love Thanksgiving, yeah. and uh, I'm very much dreaming of it already. Absolutely, me too. And then Mr. Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed, what are you, what's your favorite? Uh, rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bring on the carbs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Carb right. overload. All yep. right. Well, now that we've talked about something pleasant. <laughs> well, you didn't answer yours. What's yours? Oh, man. You know, I really like pie. Mm. Pumpkin pie is one of those things that I don't crave pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. We always have Me like neither. one pumpkin, one cherry, one apple. So I'm a big apple pie fan. Mm. So the apple pie. And probably uh, we called it dressing. I know some people call it stuffing. But yes. I like the dressing. Yeah. People who are insane call it uh, dressing. I know that. <laughs> right. That, that, right. There's crazy you people. stuff it into the turkey. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, it is makes stuffing, sense. but you call it dressing. Mm -hmm. That's right. interesting. The, the stuff that's got yeah. the cornbread mix in it. It's mm -hmm. really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked about something fun. Now we get to talk about something that uh, some people are really kind of getting worried about. So Biden's kind of been slowly picking all of his, his cabinet and the media has just been going nuts over it. He introduced several cabinet nominees and White House advisors, including Secretary of State nominee Antony Blinken, um, National Security Advisor pick Jake Sullivan, Ambassador of the United Nations Linda Thomas-Greenfield, and then newly minted Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry. <laughs> now, MSNBC had a panel discussion, and here's what they had to say about it. Talk about Joe Biden's empathy and humanity, to talk about diplomacy being back. It is all an implicit rebuke of Donald Trump's foreign policy stewardship over the last four years. That's right. And in just saying that they're going to do their job and um, be good stewards of America's role in this world and um, focus on American diplomacy, that in and of itself um, being a rebuke of President Trump is uh, underscores what we've all been living through in the last four years. This is a president who wanted to be more isolationist who wanted to pull back. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, <laughs> this craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. All right. Compared them to the Avengers. Interesting. Uh, NBC Nightly News anchor Lester Holt, he also said they're very experienced and a very diverse group. The Worst Avengers movie ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these boring dolts that have been in the you know, government forever, and he's just a bunch of retreads, largely, um, who are going to embrace a Biden foreign policy, which is 
terrifying. I mean, mm-hmm. Biden has been wrong on every major foreign policy issue since I've been aware of his Including, existence. Including, he didn't want to go after Osama bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. he tried to... St- he admitted. Yeah, he admitted. He didn't want to do it. His they, advice to Obama was, don't do it. Okay. Laughable. How, I, great. I, yeah. That'll be great. I remember he's also the guy who wanted to carve up Iraq into three different countries, which I think he yeah. should have actually probably embraced during the campaign. That was probably one of his better ideas as the way things turned out. Um, it's, a, it's not a huge surprise here uh, that the Democrats are just... They're lit on fire by this 78-year-old boring white guy who's been, uh, you know, uh, who's, you know, been designing his cabinet. Um, I keep coming back to this. You know, people talk a lot about the fraud stuff that's going on and that continues to go in court and all of that. It, it, you know, that's that cannot be won on social media. It cannot be won on the news that why it matters. It cannot be done on Pat Grand Leashed or Stu Does America or whatever. It's going to be done one in the courts if that's going to happen. And it's very easy to imagine if this were to occur and Donald Trump were to win, it would be very easy for us to adjust to that world. You know, Donald Trump is president already, right? He already mm-hmm. has a cabinet. Um, we kind of all were hoping he was going to win this election. Um, so that would be easy to adjust to. What is happening while everyone's talking about that and continues to go down that road um, is he's naming all these people and we're not talking about them at all Mm -hmm. there's no deep conservative fact check about blinken's past right there's no i mean we know john Kerry pretty well (laughs) which is uh one of those guys but like there's not that dive in when obama was naming these people conservatives were like all right here's why this person's a problem or maybe this why this person's okay but you want to go and look at the backgrounds of that it's all being ignored right now and i think that's uh that you know we're not going down we don't keep our eye on on the ball then crazy stuff can happen over here while we're looking over here. There's no reason, there's no reason for everybody to, um, to ignore that uh, because this is a court proceeding and it's going to go on whether we like it or not. It's going to go on and the result's going to happen to us and we're not going to be able to win it on social media. I do appreciate his pick for Secretary of State, though, Antony Blinken from Winken, Blinken and Nod. Mm. Uh, I thought that was a good pick. And I guess Winken and Nod are going to be two of his uh, main deputy assistants. Are they? Yeah. And so I think foreign policy is really going to take a turn for the better with the three of them. I I like your optimism. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, so Joe Biden did say that he would be open to nominating a Republican that voted for President Trump in the election in his cabinet in an interview with NBC's Lester Holt. Let's take a listen to that. Have you considered for the sake of national unity uh, selecting or nominating a Republican, someone who voted for President Trump? Yes, we still have a lot more appointments to make. I want this country to be united. The purpose of our administration is once again reunited. We can't keep this virulent political dialogue going. It has to end. Should we expect an announcement? No. <laughs> ever or not soon? No, not soon. <laughs> or ever. No. Or ever. Long silence. Yeah. yeah. This will be totally forgotten in, uh, by the time he's picked Democrats and extremists for every single position. Well, he was asked if he would consider Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, and here's what he had to say about that. What about um, former rivals from your own party, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren? Uh, have you talked to them about cabinet positions? Well, what I've, I've, I've talked to them, look, as I said, the, we already have significant representation among progressives in our administration, but there's nothing really off the table. But one thing is really critical, taking someone out of the Senate, taking someone out of the House, um, at a particularly a per- person of consequence, is a really difficult decision that would have to be made. 
I have a very ambitious, very progressive agenda, and it's going to take uh, really strong leaders in the House and Senate to get it done. So do you think that he would rather have Warren and Sanders in the Senate than in his cabinet? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that he wants... To, you look at his, his early picks, he's picking no one that would overshadow him. Right, these are all kind of milk toast, you know, zilches that no one knows anything about. I mean, so I don't think retreads, he, yeah, too. retreads, yeah. These are people; these are long-term loyalists, mm -hmm. largely. Um, he, I don't think he wants the big personalities. Like, you know, he doesn't want to have to tell Bernie Sanders no because then he loses some of his base. But be clear about who Joe Biden is. Joe Biden ran for president with the most progressive, liberal, extreme uh, set of policies of any candidate in U.S. history. I mean, like, mm -hmm. full stop. You know, he wanted to spend, when, when Barack Obama came in with Joe Biden as his vice president, he ran on spending a $1.5 trillion in additional spending. Biden ran six, with $6.5 trillion. Now, it wasn't as much as Bernie Sanders, who was $97.5 trillion. I mean, I grant you, he's definitely to the right of Bernie Sanders, but that does not make you a moderate. I mean, Karl Marx was probably to the right of Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's not a, a way you measure a moderate candidate. People trying to, you know, he's, he's right. He's, he is running with a, an ambitious, progressive agenda, and he is trying to implement a, a, a cabinet with a lot of all progressives already represented there. I think like people are always talking about the big names. Biden, it, you know, you can, he may be doing the right thing here if you are a leftist, which is put in people who are just as progressive as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders without the brand names. You know, put them in there, let them do their thing, and let everyone say, oh, you know, oh, well, there's discord in this administration. They won't put Bernie Sanders as the labor secretary. I mean, they can find a Bernie Sanders that you don't get the baggage of Bernie Sanders with. And I think that's been the way Bernie, uh, Biden has run this campaign from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Pat, do you think that Biden is sincere when he says that he wants to unite the country? No. I, I mean, his rhetoric doesn't back that up at all. Mm. Uh, and it, it hasn't from the beginning. And he's, he said that all through the campaign, that he wanted to be a uniter and he was going to unite the country again. But that's that's not the way he acts. That's not uh, backed up by anything he says or does. And um, you're not going to be able to unite the country when you've got a bunch of extremists with an extreme agenda mm -hmm. in the cabinet and in your administration with you. That's that's not a good way to unite. I wouldn't be surprised if he names a Republican to one of these posts uh, in the mold of a John Kasich or <clears throat> one of these guys that like out spoke out against the um, uh, Trump administration uh, in a never Trump Jeff Flake, type. you know Jeff find Flake. a place for yeah, him totally you could see that mm -hmm. um, that you know and, and like look at this happens every single administration you know Donald Trump vetted Tulsi Gabbard for a role in his cabinet like it, it, this is not completely insane that it would happen it's just not real like this is not a this is not a real message of bipartisanship they you don't care about that obviously mm -hmm. what they care about is uh, you know trying to uh, find people who will tow that line. And a lot of these Repu supposed Republicans that seem to have Republican policies long in their past, they pulled this sort of Joe Scarborough transition where all of a sudden they don't have them anymore, but they still have that, you know, Colin Powell every every freaking four years. We've got to hear that Colin Powell announces the Democrat like it's a freaking news story. Like, <laughs> I, I, guys, we know. for Democrats forever. For, forever. I mean, forever. at least until the administration he was in, uh -huh. every single right. time there's been an opportunity, he's voted against Republicans. Why is it a news story when he tells us he's voting for a Democrat? Yeah. Yeah. Well, AOC, 
I'm sorry, we aren't besties, so I can't color that. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> and Elon Omar, they are boosting a petition against Joe Biden nominating his former chief of staff to a new role in his administration, calling Bruce Reed a deficit hawk and then criticizing his past support for Social Security and Medicare cuts. So it sounds like not everybody on the left is happy with his cabinet picks. So there is a chance that maybe there will be some sabotage going on within within the party, don't you think? Much of this is theater, right? Like we saw this with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Joe Manchin having this little battle. Remember this from like a week or two ago? Mm-hmm. Manchin comes out and says, well, I no matter what happens in Georgia, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to oppose packing the court and I'm going to oppose these things and I'm, I'm going to be very strong on that. That's theater. And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes out and says, oh, I can't believe that that bad Joe Manchin. He's way too moderate for me. I can't believe we're not going to be able to get all these these crazy socialist things passed. And it's like, this is a message to voters in Georgia to say it's okay to elect a Democrat. They're not going to do the craziest stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Joe Manchin will be there to to save you. Joe Manchin will not be there to save you. I promise when that vote actually matters, Joe Manchin will be voting with the Democrats, as he always does. When it matters, he's always with the Democrats. When the Republicans win the vote by 10, he'll reside with the Republicans so he can keep his seat in West Virginia. Um, and, you know, this is, I think, you know, there, there are going to be things that the progressive left does not like about a Biden administration because Biden still has that old school politician in him. He's he's trying to to give the appearance that of bipartisanship, to give the appearance uh, of working with the other side of moderate uh, nature. Mm-hmm. It's not real. Um, you know, and I will say, like, the American people showed, I think, pretty clearly that they don't want that AOC school of politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it, it, yes, yes uh, you know, the presidential race, you know, is one thing. But, like, you look at the other side, the Senate, the House, the Republicans did very well. And then when you analyze every House race in the entire country, the, the person who underperformed the presidential race more than anyone in the entire country was Ilhan Omar. Right. None of us. She did worse than every other candidate in the Democratic side or Republican side, any incumbent. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yes. And let's not forget, uh, it may not be Joe Biden for very long. Uh, Mm. You know, is he more moderate maybe than um, the squad? Yeah, probably. But is Kamala Harris? I I don't think there's much difference there between the squad agenda and Kamala Harris's agenda. And, you know, within I really believe within six months to a year, uh, Joe Biden's out. Could be. Yeah, it's a real possibility. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. We've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Keeps. Have you noticed that your hair isn't looking as full as it used to? I'm not talking to anybody here at this table. Thank you. My hair is beautiful. Uh, But let's talk options if you have. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription and then visit the pharmacy and then just try not to go broke to avoid going bald. Or you can try Keeps from the comfort of your lazy boy at home because you're going to get the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment. But Keeps offers the generic version for about half of the cost. And one thing that you'll love about Keeps is it's all online. You just answer a few questions you snap a few pics of your hair and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you and then it's shipped directly to your door so why make those unnecessary trips to the doctor and the drugstore when you can do all of it at home so let's get you started with a special deal go to keeps.com slash why for 50% off your first order of keeps hair loss treatments that's keeps.com slash why we'll be back in a minute Random House in Canada, they announced on Monday that they would be publishing Dr. Jordan Peterson's new book. And apparently that announcement left some of their employees in tears. (laughs) 
Now, if you don't know who Peterson is, he's a University of Toronto professor. He kind of rose to prominence as a vocal critic of the Canadian government's Bill C-16, which sought to establish gender identity or expression as a prohibited ground of discrimination under the Canadian Human Rights Act. Um, really intelligent guy, has a lot of great writings, but so they, they've taken on his book and Vice's Manisha Christian, she broke the story and said that the staff felt their employer ambushed them with this news. He's negatively impacted their lives. One told her he's an icon of hate speech and transphobia and the fact mm. that he's an icon of white supremacy, I'm not proud to work for a company that <laughs> publishes him. I, I don't understand how, I mean, first of all, you know, he's written, he's a, a very well-known guy. He's writing a book that will probably sell millions of copies and help support these employees and keep them in a job. And yet they mm -hmm. feel like they need to speak out. So Random, uh, Random House said, we've got this forum where our employees can have a space to express their views, offer feedback. They have an anonymous feedback channel. They fully support it. They said they want to answer their questions, but they also said, hey, we're committed to publishing a range of viewpoints. <gasps> How dare they, Hillary? I, well, so why is it that if someone has a difference of opinion, all of a sudden they're just automatically branded as evil? Because that's essentially what some of these employees mm -hmm. said about Jordan Peterson. Yeah, it's, I mean, the left has a real fascist problem right now. They, they just don't want to hear any other viewpoint other than anybody that agrees with them and, and their worldview. Um, same kind of thing is happening at Spotify with Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the employees there get together and cry every day about his podcast. <laughs> I cry about <laughs> lots of podcasts in my life because I'm I that weak of an individual. And uh, I don't pathetic. know if I can live with that podcast being out there yeah. in space. I mean, you've seen you this know? Glenn Greenwald, Matt Iglesias. These are people on the left that are leaving their organizations saying our media organizations, Vox, is infested with so many crybaby young, you know, 23-year-old, uh, you know, safe space types mm -hmm. that they can't, they, can't mm -hmm. under, they can't hear anything they don't agree with. Right. This is insane. I mean, Jordan Peterson is in reality not controversial right he's i mean he he is yes he said uh basically like i shouldn't be put in jail or be fined because if someone's a guy and then they decide the next day that they're actually a woman i can i'm gonna still call them a guy i'm not gonna recognize their weird reality they can say they're a woman if they want but i'm gonna still say it's a guy and you support mm -hmm. that hate speech i you support i would that. never <laughs> i mean like that's just you know i'm gonna go in the corner and cry right now just because you talked about <laughs> I'm it i'm sorry. gonna go in the corner <laughs> I'm sorry and cry but his book is 12 more rules for life um which he his last one huge bestseller 12 yeah. rules for life and basically it's about people call him this like you know uh toxic masculinity uh, icon it's basically mm. like hey be a man stand up and be a man listen this is just a couple of these i pulled them up uh stand this is the 12 rules stand up straight with your shoulders back oh my gosh that's, that, that is controversial <laughs> treat yourself like you are someone you are responsible for helping why would you ever say something like that <laughs> make friends with people who want the best for you <gasps> Whoa! What? This is crazy. I almost vomited right there. I <laughs> threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> Compare yourself with who you were yesterday, not with who someone else is today. Gosh, what a terrible piece of advice that is. Mm -hmm. Do not, uh, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. That seems pretty safe. Uh, <laughs> set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Uh, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. 
<laughs> These aren't crazy. This man is like Hitler. <laughs> Almost. Assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Again, he's talking about that would be a, if he was a conservative, which he's not really. I mean, he's not really a hardcore conservative by any means. But like listening to someone who might have a more liberal opinion than you on something and trying to learn something from them. Right. Uh, be precise in your speech. I mean, these are not hateful pieces of advice. I assume this next book is going to be on the same front, or it would be, you know, if it's it's a bunch of white supremacist tips, I will be I will be with you <laughs> and stand with you. I think it's a bad idea. You know, this all started kind of with the with the participation trophies did it not i mean we've got this we've raised this whole generation to think that nothing in their world should ever be askew nothing no they should never have to hear anything or see anything i mean we had the red pencil on their on their paperwork at school that was scaring them and so we stopped using red pencil i mean all of these things that they've been coddled and babied over their whole life Mm -hmm. so now they're in the real world they're they're earning a living at places and anything that challenges them in any way they can't handle it they just can't handle it what they should be told is get the hell out mm-hmm. and go home yep yeah that's what they should be told yeah uh, i just don't you don't work here anymore this would be my right. answer when, when yes I heard you're that. fired you're working at a place get that, out that publishes books right with varying viewpoints like the whole point of writing is supposed to explore viewpoints. You're not supposed to get thrown out of society yeah. over it. It's insanity. Ridiculous. All right, well, we do have time really quickly for uh, AOC. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. I don't have to call you by your full name. Uh, <laughs> on Monday, she was really upset. She was tweeting about the coronavirus relief package stalemate, blaming Republicans. She said, people across the country are going hungry. COVID is set to explode. And Mitch McConnell dismissed the Senate last week. I don't know how these people can sleep at night. I really don't. Well, Ted Cruz wasn't having it. Uh, he wrote back and said, why is your party filibustering $500 billion in COVID relief? And Joe Biden's cheering them on, thinking that blocking relief somehow helps Dems with Georgia. So they got into this Mm. back and forth. And she basically said the House doesn't have filibusters, Ted Cruz. We also passed several COVID relief packages to the Senate and that not only include 500 billion, but also prioritize helping real people as opposed to Wall Street bailouts. And he basically said, you know, you seem not to know that there are Democrats in the Senate or that Joe Biden, also a Dem, is publicly calling on Senate Dems to continue filibustering COVID relief because he thinks it will help them win Georgia. All right. So quickly, what do you think about the exchange between these two? I mean, um, she is uh, dumb, <laughs> really dumb. I, I, like I, there's just no other way to state it. She's constantly mm-hmm. showing how, how dumb, dumb she, she is. is. And, and she doesn't seem to have any shame over how stupid None. she is. I mean, like, this is... Uh, any idiot reading that tweet from Ted Cruz would recognize... He, he specifically said, your party, because he wasn't talking about the House. Yeah. You don't think Ted Cruz, a guy who's argued in front of the Supreme Court how many times? Mm-hmm. A guy who literally memorized the Constitution as a child <laughs> and can recite it word for word from the beginning to the end. That guy doesn't know there are no filibusters in the House. <laughs> like, it's she's so outwardly dumb. It's Im- amazing. I honestly forget the House. It's amazing that people like her exist in the world. She is mm-hmm. so 
stupid. I don't know how she gets through the day. Like either. every day, it's got to be a massive <laughs> challenge for her to wake up and get to bed at night. It's that whole point. period in between has got to be impossible. Well, do we remember when she moved into the new apartment in Brooklyn or wherever the heck she is right now, and she was looking at the thing in the sink and wondering what the hell it was? Yeah. What? What is this weird thing that makes noise and it seems to be eating stuff I put in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called a disposal, Gooden. Mm. It's a disposal. <laughs> and they've only been around since about the early 50s. So maybe you haven't heard of them yet because they're pretty newfangled. But uh, <laughs> that's how stupid she is. She doesn't even know what a disposal is. Hearing uh, you guys say it out loud just made the whole day worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> AOC is dumb. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right, we've got more to come. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Gabby. You know, you're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. Uh, sure, you'd love to save money, but is spending hours on your own shopping for a lower rate to maybe save a few bucks? Is that worth it? Probably not. Do what I did and use Gabby. Gabby does all the work for you in just a few minutes. And get this, Gabby customers, they save $961 per year, and that's on the average. So Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive or Nationwide and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account and in just minutes you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. So that's what I did. Using Gabby helped me realize I'm actually paying the best deal right now. So I have peace of mind knowing that I'm not overpaying at this moment, but it's nice to know I've got Gabby to go to to show me multiple quotes and see that if I'm paying too much or not paying too much. So like I mentioned earlier, Gabby customers, they save $961 per year on average. And I bet that would be so nice to have in your pocket every year. If they can't find you savings, let you know so you can relax like I did that you have the best rate out there and they're never going to sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. You're probably overpaying on your car home insurance, so see how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free. There's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Y. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Y. Gabby.com slash Y. We'll be back in a minute. I know there's a lot of us that have been concerned that we won't be able to fly without a COVID-19 vaccination because that's been a, a pretty real fear and it sounds like it is coming true. Qantas Airlines says if you don't have one, you probably won't be able to fly on their uh, airline. Um, this came out in a report this week from the New York Times. The Qantas CEO, Alan Joyce, said they're likely, they're not doing it yet, but they are likely going to require their passengers to show proof of a coronavirus vaccine when the time comes in order to travel internationally. They're saying, please have a vaccination before you get on the aircraft, whether you need that domestically. We'll have to see what happens with COVID-19 in the market. But certainly for international visitors coming out and people leaving the country, we think that's a necessity. It sounds like Korean Air and Air New Zealand, they're both considering those same mandates for travel. Now, the prime minister in Australia said there are always exemptions for any vaccine on medical grounds, but that should be the only basis. Here in America, there's a, a religious exemption to avoid getting a vaccine. Do you think that there's a chance that might not be the case any longer? 
I, look, I don't think any vaccine should be mandated. I mean, I'm, uh, as everyone may be uh, familiar, I want Bill Gates to stick me with any needle he has hanging around. I don't even care what's in it. Uh, just he can <laughs> vaccinate me, stick needles in my arms whenever you want. I'm very pro-vaccine. I'm really uh, optimistic about this vaccine. I really would like to go back to normal life. The one thing that I think you can look at, uh, but I don't think the government should be mandating uh, that. Um, one thing that I think you can be optimistic on if you happen to be a person who is, does not want to take the vaccine, and there are many in our audience, the, one of the best things about the, the results of this is they were looking to shoot for 50 to 60% uh, effectiveness. What's coming out of these studies is 95%, 90%, 95%. Um, if that's real, and there's a huge asterisk on that because we're basically just taking a press release at this point. We don't know all the details, but if that holds up, it would be it would only be control to make people uh, need to get vaccinated. You, like if you figure that right now, probably 15 to 20 percent of the population has already had COVID, right? Including me. I'm a, I'm a COVID survivor, as you may know. Walking miracle. No walking miracle. Thank you. <laughs> that's exactly how I describe myself, but no one's ever said it to me before. Um, uh, so that's 20 percent. If you get, if you look at polls, it looks like about 60 percent of people would be friendly to taking the vaccine in the first few months. There's like about 20 percent of people who are like me, just like I'll stick any needle you have in my arm. About another 40 percent are like, let me wait like a month or two just to see if everyone explodes. Mm -hmm. um, so that, about that 60 percent, if you just get that 60 percent. It's um, probably enough. It's probably enough. I mean, yeah. you, especially if it's 95% effective, you're mm -hmm. basically at herd immunity with just the group that's had it plus that vaccine group. Yeah. So hopefully, um, because, you know, capitalism, the Trump administration with Operation Warp Speed and all the things that have come together to make these vaccines as successful as we think they may be, if that comes together, we won't really need to face these sorts of questions of whether the government's going to mandate and, and all of that. I, I really hope we avoid that. I think in red states, you're probably going to be pretty safe on that front. Um, but you're in Gavin Newsom state, Andrew Cuomo state. I have no freaking idea. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Here. I, I, I think there might be some mandates, especially with this uh, Democrat administration, uh, if it comes to be. And I'm still counting on the Supreme Court overturning the election, mind you. <laughs> uh, but if through some bizarre thing right. that doesn't happen, I, I think they, you know, I think you'll probably have to have it to go to school. Um, I, I remember taking the polio vaccine when I was a kid. It was came in a little sugar cube. Everybody had to take it. Um, you guys probably didn't, right? Because by the did. time it came to you, enough people had been vac vaccinated to where we were immune now. Um, and polio wasn't an issue now. Same with uh, rubella, same with measles. I mean, we've eradicated a whole bunch of diseases that used to be widespread. So we're pretty good at this. And we've never had to do, um, like, you can't go to work without it. Uh, I don't remember any airplane restriction before. I'm hoping we'll be able to avoid it, but I'm, I think in the beginning, they might it might spread to other airlines, and I would think um, sending your kids to school yeah. you'd probably be required. Yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, Ticketmaster is an example of this, right? Yeah, they've they, already, they've done already it. kind of said yes, they're going to do that. It, the question mm -hmm. is, I think you, you can't avoid private companies doing this. They're private companies; they can kind of do what they right. want to do. Um, I, I'm much more concerned about the government mandates, but I do think that, like over time, if these things work. And that's a still a big if, but if they do, there's there's real hope here. I mean, I, you know, you, you might not have to deal with it. You might not have to take it, mm -hmm. and we may be able to get to a level of enough immunity to slow the spread so much right. that it's not much of an issue. 
We mentioned schools. Uh, Vermont is going to be questioning school children when they get back from Thanksgiving break about mm. what they did while they were gone and if they got together with people that were outside their household. <laughs> if they answer yes, I, or if they traveled somewhere, if the children answer yes and they're telling the truth, um, then they're going to have to return to remote learning at home for two more weeks or if they have a negative COVID test, they only have to quarantine at home for seven days. The school is operating on trust with parents and their students to give honest answers about how they spent their Thanksgiving holiday. How do you think that's going to go? Especially parents <laughs> oh. that are exhausted having their children at home doing the online remote learning. That's tough. Parents love uh, when the school is invading into their personal lives <laughs> and asking Don't them questions about their holidays. It's a huge thing. I know. I love that. I know. <laughs> that's great. I mean, it, it, Look, people are, there's a, you know, it does seem wow. like less people are doing gatherings this year, uh, be, you know, after they've been harangued into it over and over again. Um, I think uh, a lot of people are just going to do their gatherings. They're going to get together with their families. They're going to do what they can. I think most people are taking the basic precautions that if you have an older person with a with a serious, um, you know, pre-existing condition, maybe they're not coming this year. Maybe we check in with them on the phone this year. Um, you know, if I know if you happen to live in a, in a good state like Texas, it's going to be 71 degrees. So I know for like our gathering is going to be outside because it's going to be awesome. I like eating outdoors <laughs> when it's 71 degrees. I'm all in. That sounds awesome. Um, that's a great thing. If you can do ventilation, there's a, I did this thing. Um, uh, it's actually at the top of my Twitter feed at Studios America pinned. Um, go check it out because there's a Washington Post map that came out that showed if you go, what are the chances of you having someone with COVID-19 at your dinner table? And it shows the maps all red. It's like lit up like some of some areas, a hundred percent chance. So I go through and pick <laughs> apart what they've done. First of all, they made the red scarier and darker and brighter on the Washington Post map than the actual source map. I found the actual source program and went through the study. And they chose all the scariest propositions, all these assumptions that make absolutely no sense. You know, the, the assumptions that we're making in March, they're carrying like when we didn't have any tests. Now we're doing two million tests a day. They do all these things to make the map look as scary as possible. Um, and, and, but at the end of the day, and it's in this thread if you want to see it, there are things like op you know, opening up windows if the, windows, uh, if the weather is nice. If you can have two, um, two openings, two doors open on diagonal parts of the room, the ventilation cleans out the air every like seven minutes where if you only have one open door it's like 45 minutes you know you put a fan in the corner blowing out of the room it cuts it, it, it increases the air circulation and improves your chance of avoiding it if it comes to it people are going to live their lives but stuff like that you can do it doesn't invade your world right. at all you're not having to wear your mask in between bites exactly <laughs> that's why we're doing our thanksgiving family reunion in antarctica this year oh really yeah outside perfect outside what a great in antarctica. idea yeah that really good vent Ventilation, I understand. And I guess the chillier weather uh, helps to kill the kill virus. It. I don't think you can go to uh, Antarctica without a vaccine. Oh, <sighs> man. You have to well, that. Pat always doing his part for the greater good. Gotta go to break. We'll be right back. <laughs> I love the outdoor thing because up north, you can't. And then north here, yeah. freaking way you could do that up north. <laughs> I mean, we, we are doing it. This is our News & Why Celebrity Minute, because we're going to tell you about Alyssa Milano. She's extending an olive branch to Trump supporters. She tweeted, I would like to extend an olive branch to Trump supporters. I'm ready to move hashtag forward together. There's so much work to do to heal the nation. Let's be part of the solution and not add to the problems we face. My comments are open. Please reply with hashtag forward together. So now that Biden's president, she's all about extending that olive branch, huh? 
Yeah, too late. Sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> really not it. the Christ-like way to look at it, but I'm kind of done with her. And I'm sure she's trying to save her career, and she hopes that people will go to her movies again if she ever does one. Although I can't imagine who would ever want her in one. Um, but maybe she can do an exercise video or something, and maybe people would watch that if she <laughs> makes up to them. But no. Nope. I'm not getting her exercise tape either. Look, I don't care enough about what Alyssa Milano says to make up with her. I didn't what? care when she was mad at me, and I don't really? care, you know, that she, if she's trying to reach out. Uh, it, it does. It's the, the problem with this is it just feels so fake. You can't it call everyone who supports Donald Trump a racist Nazi, and then the next day be like, hey, yeah. we won. Here's your olive branch. I, I think, like, you know, like, Glenn kind of did this. Glenn uh, tried to do this at one point and, and kind of reach out to the other side and say, look, you know, there's been a lot of fighting back and forth. And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes I did some stuff that I'm not crazy about that I did. And I think you guys have done that, too. Maybe we can talk this out. And they were very receptive uh, at that point. Um, they never did it themselves, though. No, they, they never did. Never. Their, they never took their side and said, yeah, we've done some stuff, too. It was always like, you know what? Good job, Glenn. You're admitting you were bad. Right. And now the same thing is happening here. Now that we won, it's OK for us to say, uh, look, we're, we're looking for to uh, for outreach to you guys. And what that means, by the way, is is you must now agree with us. Mm -hmm. And if you agree with us, we'll take you in. Mm -hmm. uh, I have no, no interest in that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I really did have an interest of being taken in by Alyssa Milano when I was 11 and she was on Who's the Boss. <laughs> I really loved her back then. Very convinced I was going to marry her someday. Don't mm -hmm. care now. Though. Aren't you glad that didn't work out? Oh my God. I mean, you dodged yeah. a bullet there. The wishes you make when you're 11, you don't, uh, please, uh, please don't make them come true. <laughs> yeah, just to remind people before we move on, she said the entire GOP should be tried for treason but now mm. she wants to be your buddy. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of other celebrities. Chris Evans and Zach Braff, they want a list of Trump enablers. So Braff tweeted, never forget all these enablers. And Chris Evans, Captain America, I'm disappointed in you. He said, hashtag remember who said nothing. Mm. So it, Trump opponents, they've really kind of taken an opportunity to threaten people now that in their mm -hmm. minds, Biden is going to be the president. Why do they say they're never going to forget the Trump enablers? I mean, as if Trump supporters are ashamed, because guess what? They're not. <laughs> right. They're, uh, I mean, Trump, Trump supporters are incredibly proud of being Absolutely. Trump supporters. And they're not shy about it either. So, um, I, you know, these actors are, I don't understand it, quite frankly, why they do this and eliminate about 50 percent of their potential audience and fan base it just doesn't make any sense and they just keep doing it and apparently they don't care so um good luck i you know who cares if you're gonna not forgive the the trump enablers um maybe they're not gonna forgive you either and go to your stupid movies and <laughs> and fund your hollywood mansion mm-hmm I mean, look, it's, again, it's easy to, uh, to, to plan for the best. I like to plan for the worst. And in the worst case scenario here, right, Joe Biden is going to become president. But let's be honest about what, what that means. All of this back and forth about whether he's trying to steal the election and all these court cases and all the elections getting overturned and fraud and all that is a blip. It's an asterisk of this election at the end. Um, if that's what happens, we're going to come back and we're going to be on the, on the schedule that the Constitution lays out. As you might think, well, he should have been nicer and called Joe Biden on election night or whatever you think should have been the thing. 
Yeah. Does it matter? I, I, you know, it like, doesn't I, matter I, if he even concedes. Yeah, right. That right, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. He, he still has, leaves the White House on January 20th. Throughout throughout Al Gore versus Bush, which was obviously a very, very close election, I wanted Al Gore to just call up George Bush and concede. I did. I mean, that's what I wanted to happen. But he wasn't required to do this. And eventually he wound up doing it after he exhausted all of his legal options, in right. his own words. Mm-hmm. So we are on schedule. Like, yes, this is a crazy sort of chaotic time. And I understand why people don't like some of the things that have been said, some of the things that have been tweeted, some of the things, you know, uh, you know, Sidney Powell and other, you know, from the legal team have said. But this is not, it is less important than people are making it out. You know, Donald Trump is, if he loses and none of this stuff works, is going to leave office on January 20th. That's what's going to happen. And on December 14th, the electors are going to go through with their votes, and we're going to know at the end what happened. It's, it, there is no reason to obsess about these, these things because yeah. we, it is out of our control. You know, before the election, you can tweet stuff, maybe you convince a voter. Right now, it doesn't matter. We are in a legal process that is going to play out however it does. And at the end of the day, Joe Biden is going to be the president of the United States or Donald Trump's going to be the president of the United States. And we'll all move on with our lives. At least I know the, the Republicans will. If, if Donald Trump somehow turns this around, I don't know that the Democrats will play, play a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. And on January 20th, if, the, if all of his court battles are unsuccessful, you're not going to need the Navy SEALs to show up, as they nope. have said, or the Army Rangers or Delta Force to remove him from the office. He will leave of his own volition, and he'll go home, and he'll probably continue to say the election was stolen. Yep. So did Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what? He's a billionaire. With a, he's married to a supermodel. He'll live. Right. He'll like be he's okay, going to be just be okay. fine. Mm-hmm. But if he if he is declared our president again, I want everybody to keep a close eye on what Alyssa Milano is tweeting <laughs> in that in that situation. <laughs> All right, we got to go to break. We'll be right back. There will be no more olive it'll branches. Be, yeah, I was going to say it'll be interesting what she has to say then. Her and Zach Braff and I mean, All right, I asked you yesterday, how many people are you celebrating Thanksgiving with? 64.9% of you said seven plus people. That's right. You go, America. You celebrate how you want to. <laughs> Today's question, would you comply with another lockdown? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't really comply with the first one, i got to be honest. <laughs> I was here every freaking day. Uh, every day. But I'm essential. We're essential. We're essential. That's yeah. the thing. It's hard for us to understand. So. Mm-hmm. Essential. Special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you have some holiday gift ideas for us, too, before we leave for today. Tell yes. Me about those. If you're doing Christmas shopping, I have great stuff for you. Um, available in all sorts of colors. We have uh, sweatshirts, T-shirts, mugs that say this. It's a picture of a uh, fi- uh, cityscape on fire with a Christmas tree in the front. It says, it's not a riot. It's a mostly peaceful tree lighting. <laughs> Uh, so the tree is lit on fire. And also we have the uh, Santa Claus plus Antifa. It's Santifa Claus. Uh, he's got a Molotov cocktail, a baseball bat, and ready to beat the hell out of uh, any, anyone who comes in, in his way. He'll come down your chimney and he'll light your house on fire. Santifa Claus is here to save the day. Uh, you know, that actually looks like an extremely comfortable sweatshirt as well. And I love it because this is the perfect gift for those of you who answered or have family or friends who answered in the 64% that you're having seven plus people. Yes. You're obviously our people because you're mm-hmm. you're really kind of fighting the power there. So this is a great gift for that person. It is. I think people will <laughs> like it. Uh, and by the way, I should mention, we have a few more Nancy Pelosi sucks pens available uh, NancyPelosiSucksPen.com or you can go to StuDoesMerch.com has all the stuff there but we, we ordered what we thought was enough for the entire holiday and 
we are going to run out like this weekend. So if you want to get them for stocking stuffers, the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen, you got to get them right get away. Get it now. Mm -hmm. All right. So if people want to watch your shows, follow you guys, know what you're up to, where can they go? I am at Stu Does America on Twitter. Of course, you can find us on The Blaze, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, also on Instagram and uh, all the other social media places and podcast. If you can subscribe there, I'd appreciate it. All oh, things. YouTube as well. Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Uh, YouTube. Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed. Why do I know this and you don't know it? <laughs> Something or other yeah. there and uh, wherever podcasts are available. And very quickly before we go, I have a, que a serious question. When do you eat your Thanksgiving meal? Do you eat it early in the day or mid-afternoon or evening? Because I've always eaten it early in the morning and people think we're nuts. In the morning? In the morning? Well, like 11 a.m. Mm, wow. So it's like a, but a people early think we're lunch. Crazy. Yes, but we've almost. always eaten it at that time and I didn't huh. realize other people were eating it like 2 in the afternoon. Cook the turkey is done and cooked by then? Grandma by would get up really early. Yeah, she'd wow, get up like 3 in the morning. Yeah. That's, that's, I don't know. That's a lot. So we're weirdos. So did you guys do like mid-afternoon? I feel like yeah, I'm early in mid-afternoon, which I think is still pretty early. Okay. Like, we used to do like 2 o'clock maybe, and I don't know what we're doing this time, but like I would, we would always have controversy that it was too early. Too early. Oh, wow. Yeah, so okay. You're just weird is what I, I'm okay, saying. Okay, that's pretty that's much what, what it is. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start Start your free trial now at blazetv.com.